Hello, and welcome to Words on Film, the spoken word podcast dedicated to moving pictures. I'm Dan Burke, your host and movie critic, and I'm here to tell you exactly what I think of some of the latest movies out right now. For this show, I have two brand new movies to review for you, and one that's not technically brand new, but it is new. It came out last week. I just didn't get to review it until now. And two out of the three of the movies I'm going to be reviewing, you can find on streaming. The other one is actually not available on streaming. It's in theaters only. And we're going to get started on that one very shortly. Now, in theaters, there were two movies that just came out in theaters on June 4th, 2021. Uh, one was Spirit Untamed, and the other was The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. I told you guys last week, for those of you who were paying attention, that I was not going to review The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It for two reasons. Number one, I have not seen The Conjuring or The Conjuring 2. In fact, last week I erroneously stated that there were three Conjuring movies, excluding the Annabelle, the Nun, and the Curse of La Llorona spinoffs. I was incorrect. The Devil Made Me Do It is the third of the series, and it's it has Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga reprising their roles from the first two films, as well as their cameo in the third Annabelle movie. But... The second reason I'm not reviewing or didn't see and and therefore won't review The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, is because I'm sick of The Conjuring movies. Hollywood has just milked this franchise to death. And if you want to see it, that is entirely up to you. I'm not telling you whether or not you should see it. I'm just here to tell you that I'm not going to see it. So, with all that said, the first movie... I'm going to be reviewing for you is Spirit Untamed. This is a computer animated adventure film produced by DreamWorks Animation. And DreamWorks Animate, or rather DreamWorks, used to be its own studio, but now it's owned by Comcast. And this movie in particular was distributed by Universal Pictures. The reason I'm mentioning this is because it seemed when DreamWorks was its own studio, when Steven Spielberg, Jeffrey Katzenberg, and David Geffen came together and created their own movie studio. Not only did they release a lot of original films, but their animated films, due largely in part to Jeffrey Katzenberg having used to work at Disney, rivaled those of Disney. Their animation quality was great, and their storytelling was actually quite original, all things considered. Even though a lot of their previous... Um, animated films like, for example, The Prince of Egypt and the Shrek movies were based on previously written material. And I, I don't need to get into that, but the point I'm getting at is whether it was computer animated films, especially computer animated films, or their traditional 2D animation, their animation not only told a great story, but also was very sharp and very crisp. And one of my grievances with Spirit Untamed is the animation wasn't nearly as good as the animated films they came out with 20 years ago. Also, Spirit Untamed is not so much a sequel as much as it is a spinoff of the traditionally animated film Spirit Stallion of the Samaran, 
which came out in 2002. And I haven't seen that whole movie. I've only seen parts of it, but I do remember that it had a really good blend of traditional 2D animation as well as computer animation mixed in there for a lot of the panoramic shots. And the movie looked really good. It is also based, this movie Spirit Untamed, on the Netflix animated spinoff television series Spirit Riding Free, which was developed by Ari Wallington, who was the co-writer for this film. And this movie was actually originally supposed to be released in 2020, but it was delayed and production was done remotely during the 2019, excuse me, the 2020 COVID pandemic. And it is dedicated, and this is quite sweet, to the memory of Kelly Asbury, who directed the original spirit film that I just mentioned, the traditionally animated one, which featured Matt Damon as the voice of the titular horse, Spirit. So I have not seen all of Spirit, Stallion of the Samaran, but I've seen enough of it to know that even though the character, uh, the horse, Spirit, is in this movie, he's not nearly as dynamic a character as he was when Matt Damon voiced him. As a matter of fact, this movie, as opposed to being from the horse's point of view, is actually more from the human's point of view uh, instead. So, and interestingly enough, therefore, the horse in this film doesn't talk. I don't know if Matt Damon was offered the chance to reprise his role as the voice of uh, Spirit, but my guess is he probably turned it down. And I do think that the movie did, or the people who created the movie made the right choice in not hiring a, another actor to cover for Matt Damon. But even then, with Spirit being a mute horse, it sounds, it, it just doesn't really feel the same. It doesn't have the same no pun intended, Spirit, as the original Spirit movie. So, Spirit, in this case, may be the titular character, but he's more of a supporting actor. Instead, the focus is on a young girl by the name of Lucky Prescott. And Lucky Prescott is a young girl of Latina descent who is actually being raised by two white people. And she was never aware that her late mother, Milagro Navarro, was a fearless horse-riding stunt performer who died in a performance accident, not a spoiler, by the way, from Midare, um, Miradero, which is a small rural town on the edge of the wide-open frontier. And Lucky, who's voiced, by the way, by Isabella Merced, who is a lovely young actress who also is a very talented actress and singer, Lucky is a rebellious kid, <clears throat> and she causes her adopted Aunt Cora to worry for her. She originally grows up in an East Coast city under Cora's watchful eye. Cora, by the way, is voiced by Julianne Moore in Julianne Moore's first animated film as a voice actress. And ultimately, she gets in trouble with the, her grandparents and is forced to move to a remote town of Miradero with her um, widowed father, uh, Jim Prescott, who's voiced by Jake Gyllenhaal. And eventually, 
Lucky began begins to not only befriend a wild Kiger Mustang by the name of Spirit, who we were introduced to in the Netflix series and the original 2002 traditionally animated film, but she also befriends two other young girls who are horseback riders, one who is more experienced than the other. The more experienced one is named Prudence Granger, known for short as Prue, who's voiced by Marcy Martin, another very talented young actress, best known for playing the role of Diane Johnson on ABC's Blackish. And the other girl is named Abigail, and she's played by, or she's voiced by McKenna Grace, who is another actress who has had, for such a young age, a lot of acting experience in movies and TV shows. She was on The Handmaid's Tale, which is the Hulu original series. She was in The Haunting of Hill House. She was in a movie with um, Chris Evans and Jenny Slate called Gifted, which came out in 2017, which also co-starred Octavia Spencer. So the three of these actresses together playing best friends is actually probably the part of the movie where I think it's delved a little bit further away from the familiar girl and her horse story to get something at least a little bit more remotely original. But these three girls team up, whether um, well-advised or not, probably the latter, to rescue these wild horses that are being summoned by an evil horse wrangler who is named Hendrix, who's voiced by Walton Goggins. And this is also Walton Goggins' first animated film as a voice actor. For those of you who don't know who Walton Goggins is, he's been in a number of films, two with, uh, which were directed by Quentin Tarantino. He played uh, Billy Crash in Django Unchained and Chris Mannix in The Hateful Eight. He's also had supporting roles in movies like Lincoln, Maze Runner, The Death Cure, the remake of Tomb Raider with Alicia Vikander, which I actually thought was a better film than a lot of other people gave it credit for, and also Sonny Birch in the movie Ant-Man and the Wasp, which came out also in 2018. So you do have a very talented roster of voice actors in this film. And I'm not taking away from that. As a matter of fact, I think that despite them not technically sharing any screen time, or at least not uh, um, <laughs> physically, I do think that Isabella Merced, Marci Martin, and McKenna Grace worked very well off of one another. It made me believe that they have been best friends for life the way they interacted with one another in their animated avatars. And there were some very uh, funny moments, particularly where they're riding their horses and McKenna Grace, as Abigail Stone, takes a ukulele and starts singing this song over and over again, much to the chagrin of Prue and Lucky. Um, <laughs> it, it was a funny scene, but... I thought the rest of it was a little bit predictable and anticlimactic, especially when these three girls try to rescue these wild horses from the evil horse wrangler Hendrix. I thought the scene was very unrealistic. I actually thought the adults underplayed uh, how dangerous 
a mission this was. But I did actually like the, I, I think the, the selling point of this film was the fact that this movie had a roster of talented actors and actresses. The three main girls were all diverse and they also worked very well off of one another. They all had their own unique personalities that they brought to their characters and they, for a moment there, saved this movie from being what I said before, the cliche girl and her horse uh, story. And even though I've only seen parts of Spirit Stallion of the Samaran, I could already tell <clears throat> that that was a more original take on a story about wild horses that weaves in some sort of environmental story. So I have the feeling that the original 2002 movie was more original story-wise. But I didn't completely hate Spirit and Untamed. I'm giving it my rating of a marginal checkout. And the reason I'm giving it a checkout is because it was good but not great. I thought the animation was lacking. But for what the animation lacked, especially compared to the movies that DreamWorks Animation released 15 to 20 years ago, I thought the very talented voice acting roster more than <clears throat> more than made up for especially Isabella Merced, Marseille Martin and McKenna Grace. All three of them are very talented young actresses. They showed that they can actually uh, act very well on screen separately, but they also showed that they have enough acting talent to bring a lot of credibility to the three young girls whom they voice. So I think this is a movie that Kids will definitely like, and there's no doubt about that. They're not the staunch film critic like me who's seen this kind of thing before. I think girls will especially like it, especially <laughs> girls these days. And I do think there are some things to take away from it. It's just the animation and also some of the cliche storytelling in the first half of the movie prevented this movie from being great. Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. The next movie I'm going to be reviewing for you is the one film I said that's not technically brand new, but it came out on May 28th, 2021 on Netflix as a Netflix original, and it is called Doggone Trouble. Its actual name is Trouble, and it was originally created in 2019, but like many movies. Its production was delayed because of the COVID-19 pandemic, and understandably so. Netflix recently acquired the distribution rights to this film, and instead of calling it Trouble, they titled it Doggone Trouble, which already, I think, sets it out as being a, a dad joke title, and may not win the affections of anybody over the age of five. But the movie is about a dog by the name of Trouble, who I believe is a terrier, 
and he is a pampered dog who is living the good life in a mansion with his elderly, wealthy owner, Ms. Sarah Banderwoozy. Love the name. Uh, under the care of her loyal butler, James, and the famed animal trainer, uh, Cesar Milan, who makes an appearance in this film as himself. And I really like Cesar Milan. I've, I've learned a lot from watching his shows about how to train dogs and make them well-behaved. Um, and the, the endings to all the shows sometimes even <laughs> cause me to tear up a little bit. But anyway, Mrs. Uh, Banderwoozy, that's the last time I'm going to say her name, but I, I do love that uh, Dickensian name. Uh, she dies due to la- natural causes, and this dog, Trouble, is left alone in the mansion, unaware of her death. But then her... I'm going to say it again. Mrs. Banderwoozy's greedy niece and nephew, whose names are Claire and Norbert, arrive to claim their inheritance. And while getting rid of some of her belongings and planning to sell some that are priceless, they accidentally and unknowingly get rid of Trouble as well, whom they show instant dislike and apathy towards. But in order to rightfully inherit their aunt's fortune, these two greedy people... Claire and Norbert must first be willing and able to bond and take care of trouble within three days until they can sign the contract entrusted by their aunt's lawyer, Mr. McBain. And I should also state that Mr. McBain is voiced by legendary voice actor, uh, Jim Cummings, who has done a lot of voice acting work for Disney and other animation studios, both in movies and TV shows. So it's always great to hear Jim Cummings' voice. But anyway, Claire and Norbert realize they're basically screwed when Trouble goes on the run. And Trouble begins to learn to take care of himself on the streets until he is rescued by a young girl who's an aspiring singer and songwriter who works as a pizza girl. Her name is Zoe Bell, and they ultimately form a lasting friendship. And in the meantime, Trouble is trying to escape the clutches of an expert animal tracker named Thurman Sanchez, in addition to some squirrels that uh, are very well coordinated and know kung fu. So this is a film that is going to definitely appeal to young children. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just compared to other 3D animated films I've seen before, it doesn't really add very much to the the genre as it is. As a matter of fact, I thought the character Trouble... Uh, was first of all, he talked way too much, and th- there were times where, kind of like in Deadpool, sometimes he was walking around either the park or an apartment, and he was t- talking about how out of place he was. He was literally saying these words, and he would have been actually a lot more effective if he had said less. As a matter of fact, I do think that this movie actually would have been. I think a little bit better if the animal characters, not the humans, were mute. And that's something that a lot of children's films haven't quite done before. But I do think that Hollywood sometimes feels, especially when they get caught up in 
these studies of children and test groups, they think that these characters who are not supposed to be anthropomorphic, in other words, they do talk, yes, but they walk on all fours and do things that other dogs, cats, and other animals do. They think that if they talk a lot and utter catchphrases and make pop culture references, that kids are going to like that. And I don't think they do. And I think the kids are smarter than that. Also, I was a little, if you'll excuse the pun, troubled to find out that the dog trouble looks almost identical to the character of Max from The Secret Life of Pets. Max is the Jack Russell Terrier who in the first movie was voiced by Louis C.K. In the second movie, he was voiced by uh, uh, Patton Oswald because Louis C.K., because of sexual misconduct, has been canceled by our cancel culture for a few years now. But I did think the resemblance between the two characters, even though it wasn't identical, it was enough to make me believe that this movie was trying to appeal to the kids who liked The Secret Life of Pets movies. And I do think that it seems to be a bit disingenuous. So let me just give you a little bit of details about the voices of some of these dogs. The voice of trouble was uh, Sean Anderson, who is a rapper known professionally as uh, Big Sean, who I actually think did a commendable job as the voice of trouble. Also, uh, Pamela Adlon is the voice of Rousey, who is a stray uh, gray pit bull whom um, Trouble befriends. And the struggling singer-songwriter uh, Zoe Bell, great name. Yeah, th- I, I will give the movie this. The characters have great names, but uh, Zoe Bell is voiced by Lucy Hale. And some other voices of note, I'll, I'll only tell you some of the uh, voices of the dogs. Uh, Damon Wayans Jr. is the voice of uh, a Whippet. Olivia Holt is vo- is the voice of a Corgi. Carlos Pena Vega is the voice of a Poodle. Harlan William is is voiced by a is given a surfer accent as a dog named uh, Caramel. And last but certainly not least, Snoop Dogg is the voice of a Doberman. And There are some albums by Snoop Dogg back in the 90s where he characterized himself as a Doberman. I don't know if you would if you would ask Snoop Dogg from the 90s if 20 years from now he'd be the voice of a of of a dog in a kid's movie. Would he would he be flattered by it or would he want to punch you in the face? I don't know exactly. But it was a little predictable, actually, that Snoop Dogg was the voice of a dog. And actually, it wasn't the first time. But Trouble seems to be one of those movies that was lost in production, or at least some of the producers decided to just add some more dialogue, unnecessary dialogue, I might add, and some cute catchphrases in order to appeal to maybe adults in addition to children, but... I don't think there was very much story-wise about this movie that was really worth mentioning. And the animation lacks even in comparison to Spirit Untamed. So Trouble, or Doggone Trouble, as you'll find it on Netflix, isn't a terrible movie. But to me, it's a strikeout. I will probably say that kids who are watching the film might enjoy it, but 
I didn't particularly, I didn't even really enjoy the secret life of pets either. I thought it had the same kind of issues. It was packed with celebrity voices. They added some jokes that were maybe not adult in the sense of being X rated, but adult in the sense of appeasing parents who were taking their children to see it. But it really lost the focus on telling a good story. But with that said, I did like some of the names of the characters. I actually really liked the character of Zoe Bell, who's voiced by uh, Lucy Hale. And the scenes between her and the dog were kind of nice. But again, I've seen this kind of plot before. So, doggone trouble is a doggone strikeout to me. Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I'm your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. The next movie I'm going to be reviewing for you is a Netflix original that premiered on the platform on June 4th, 2020. One, the movie is a documentary that is called Breaking Boundaries, The Science of Our Planet. This is a movie that is directed by John Clay and stars and is narrated by David Attenborough, who collaborates with Swedish scientist Johan Rockström to examine Earth's biodiversity collapse and how this crisis can still be averted. So very much like other eye-opening documentaries like An Inconvenient Truth, uh, Food Incorporated, or Seaspiracy, the latter of which came out this year, Breaking Boundaries, the Science of Our Planet, is going to tell you things about our planet that you are not going to like. And they're very troubling, but it is a wake-up call to the world. And honestly, when you watch this film, you might not feel any kind of culpability or responsibility about how the Earth got to be in the troubling state it's in, but you will feel sad and you will want to do something, especially how 2020, our previous year, was one of the worst years on record, not necessarily because of the politicians and not necessarily because of notable people who died that year, although rest assured, that didn't help. But the primary reason that 2020 was such a bad year was because of the hurricanes and the forest fires that happened all over the world. Breaking Boundaries, The Science of Our Planet, delves into that kind of topic very well. And David Attenborough, who is a noted British broadcaster and natural historian, tells you in the very beginning the facts you're about to hear. He doesn't say it in these exact words, but he, he says it, I'm paraphrasing of course, but he tells you that what you're about to hear, you're not going to like. It is of grave concern, and it is. But he also states that there is some, there's some hope at the end of the film, and there is. And it's not one of those types of flowery messages where the earth is going to fix itself because the reality is the earth is not going to fix itself 
or at least it's not going to fix itself while humanity is still here. It has a lot of undeniable, this movie, Breaking Boundaries, undeniable proof that the earth is in trouble and the primary reason it's in trouble is because of human-made climate change. That might not be any new news to people who have seen uh, An Inconvenient Truth or its sequel, An Inconvenient Sequel, the latter of which I don't think got the praise or the attention that it deserved. But scientist Johan Rockström, in his research, found some, some facts about the Earth that were actually more troubling than the presentation that Al Gore made in the first Inconvenient Truth movie. And it is one of those, or the the facts he came up with can shake you to your core. And I won't say all of the facts behind it, but as you might expect, man-made pollution that's releasing carcinogens into the air is not only creating the greenhouse effect, but it is also damaging the water and also damaging biodiversity, which is a key proponent for the earth being as healthy and as sustainable as it should be. Now, I, it, it's a, there are a lot of facts here, and actually I think the movie does really well in its use of computer animated graphics, particularly one graphic that stays with you that's shown again and again in the film. What it shows is the planet Earth in the center of what looks like the universe, and it shows these computer animated humans that are walking away from the Earth. First, they're in a green zone, and then they're in a yellow zone, which means that human activity is causing such a great concern to the health of our ecosystem. But then when it starts to get in the red, that's when not only is humanity in trouble, but they're also causing damage to the earth that would be irreversible, um, if not corrected or almost irreversible. But David Attenborough assures us, and not in a sugar-coated kind of way, not to mention Johan Rockström, that there is a way that this crisis can be averted, whereas we as humans can still live on this earth and sustain it. And fortunately, this was one of the things I was afraid of. One of the components to our uh, the earth not being sustainable or becoming less and less sustainable as we live on is not actually overpopulation, at least not yet. But some people think that if just one third of the world population would be wiped out, the world would be a better place. That is crazy, crazy thinking. We're nearing the 8 billion mark in terms of the world population, but I don't think that is a proponent to the the earth and how we can save it. And by the way, you would be against killing one third of the human population if you were in that one third. And also it's, it's very racist and xenophobic to think of the world population that way and how some people's lives 
matter so little that wiping them out would just be better for all the rest of us. It wouldn't. That's crazy talk. But breaking boundaries does have some hope. It's just a matter of whether or not the people of this earth and the politicians and the people who create our infrastructure are willing to make the necessary changes in order for the earth to be to benefit from them. And the Paris Climate Accord is a great start where most of the leaders of Western Europe and several other first world European countries and some other countries like Canada all come together to actively reduce the threat of climate change. Now that a certain person isn't president anymore, the United States has rejoined the Paris Climate Accords, and that's a really good start. However, as this movie demonstrates, we still have a very long way to go, and there's nothing wrong with that. But what we have to recognize is that all of us are in on this. We may not be the ones who are cutting down trees in the Amazon rainforest to create farmland and livestock, but we can do something about it. And I think that is the primary reason you should see Breaking Boundaries, the science of our planet. As I said in the beginning of this review, it is really a wake-up call to the world. It's just a matter of you opening up your eyes and opening up your ears and paying attention to this crucial film, which by the way, no surprise, Breaking Boundaries, The Science of Our Planet, gets my rating of a knockout. You are going to see some things in this movie you are not going to like. I certainly didn't like them, but they are facts. And David Attenborough, I believe, is a very credible source. It's also worth noting that he is 95 years old, as of the date of this show, if he is still getting on TV and telling people about climate change when he could possibly die tomorrow, hopefully he doesn't, but hypothetically he could. But if he's still concerned about climate change, we all should be. And you shouldn't doubt the, the credibility of him being a natural historian or his scientist co partner in this movie, Johan Rockstrom. What they're saying is real and we all need to pay attention.
Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. Now that I've reviewed all the movies I have to review for this show, it's now time for me to tell you what's coming up next. Specifically, what's coming out in theaters the weekend of June 11th, 2021. And unlike this past weekend, there are a number of movies to start off the summer, if you don't count Memorial Day weekend as the official start of summer. The biggest movie, arguably, to come out this weekend is one called In the Heights, which is based on the Broadway musical of the same name. If you have not seen In the Heights or are not familiar with it, here's a little bit of a background about the celebrated Broadway musical. The scent of a cafecito caliente hangs in the air just outside of the 181st Street subway stop. The likable magnetic bodega owner... Osnavi saves every penny from his daily grind as he hopes, imagines, and sings about a better life. Now, I do know that Lin-Manuel Miranda, who created the hit Broadway musical Hamilton, which is available in its stage form on Disney+, Plus, was behind the making of this film. He didn't direct it, though. It's directed instead by John M. Chu and stars a lot of very young people. But John Chu is a 41-year-old director from Palo Alto, California. Amongst the films he has directed, he's directed actually several uh, projects. He directed a TV special called Ken Jong, You Complete Me, Ho!, which is, I presume, a stand-up comedy special. He also directed Crazy Rich Asians, starring Constance Wu, Michelle Yeoh, and several other fine Asian actors, and Aquafina, her too, I can't forget her. Crazy Rich Asians was one of my favorite films of 2018. He also directed Now You See Me Too, which of course was the sequel to the movie starring Jesse Eisenberg, Isla Fisher, Morgan Freeman, and several other noteworthy actors. And he directed G.I. Joe Retaliation. But he has not technically directed a musical if you don't count Step Up 2, The Streets, which he directed back in 2008, and Step Up 3D, which he directed in 2010. He did not direct the original Step Up starring Channing Tatum, the movie that put Channing Tatum on the map. But In the Heights, I think, is his first full-blown movie musical. And I am a bit prepared to be uh, disappointed by this musical. I, I should also mention that um, Lin-Manuel Miranda has been plugging this film. I think he's the producer of the film. The screenplay was written by uh, Chiara Alegria Hudes, and Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote the musical stage play and created the concept of this film, which predates Hamilton. So considering how Lin-Manuel Miranda has been involved in a few movies, including a few Disney films over the last couple of years, he probably had more to do with this other than just uh, taking credit for concepts of In the Heights. But I hope this movie is not as bad as Cats, but considering that Lin-Manuel Miranda had a hand in creating the movie, it does have a chance. So I will see it. I imagine this film will be a hit. And I will let you know what I think on next week's show. Another movie that is set to be released in theaters on June 11th is Peter Rabbit 2, The Runaway. This is a sequel to the, anima- the 
mix of live action animation, uh, the the original Peter Rabbit movie, based on the characters written by. Oh, I I'm thinking of one name, but it is not the right name. I know it. Um, Beatrix Potter. Yes. Beatrix Potter created the character of Peter Rabbit as well as a lot of his friends and family like Flopsy, Mopsy, and Cottontail. James Corden reprises his voice role as Peter Rabbit. And the voices of Flopsy, Mopsy, and Cottontail are Margot Robbie, Elizabeth Debicki, and Amy Horn, respectively. Amongst the live-action actors, Rose Byrne reprises her role as B. And Domhnall Gleeson reprises his villainous role from the last movie as Mr. Thomas McGregor, who inherits this farm and immediately becomes the adversary of Peter Rabbit, who is trying to maintain uh, vegetables from Mr. McGregor's garden. So I didn't like how in the original Peter Rabbit movie from 2018, they kind of made Peter Rabbit into a Bugs Bunny type of character, but I did like it for its animation, its live action and animation hybrid, and also the fact that the voice cast gave the characters a little bit more charm than I think it would have had had it taken place in America. But this is a movie, Peter Rabbit 2 The Runaway, that I will see, and I will let you know what I think on next week's show. Another movie that's coming out in theaters or subject to come out in theaters the weekend of June 11th is Queen Bees. This is a movie about a senior citizen's home and a woman who, after reluctantly agreeing to move into this home, encounters a clique of mean-spirited women and an amorous widower. The movie stars Ellen Burstyn as the lead in the movie, and James Caan is her love interest. And the other actors in the film, and this is a really good roster of older, talented actors, includes Anne Margaret, Jane Curtin, Loretta Devine, and Christopher Lloyd, amongst others. I was going to say Elizabeth Mitchell, who used to be on the show Lost, but she's not elderly. (laughs) Not yet. Um, And then there are some other young-ish actors in this film. Certainly they're not senior citizens, but... This looks like a pretty interesting movie. I know I've seen movies like it before, particularly those that take place in senior citizen homes. And this is definitely being directed towards moviegoers who are not into movie musicals like In the Heights or children's films like Peter Rabbit 2. So Queen Bees, I will try to see. If it's coming out in a theater near me, I cannot guarantee if I'm going to see it or not, but... I will let you know what I think if I see it on next week's show. And there are some other films that are being released into theaters. I don't know if they're being released in theaters near me, but I'll just go through the list and give you a basic idea of the descriptions. First, there's a movie called Censor, and this is a movie about a woman who's a film censor named Enid who... After viewing a strangely familiar video nasty, which I presume is like a snuff film or a pornographic film, or a a very, very dirty pornographic film, sets out to solve the past mystery of her sister's disappearance, embarking on a quest that dissolves the line between fiction and reality. The movie stars Niamh Alger, Michael Smiley, Nicholas Burns, and Vincent Franklin. 
Another movie that's going that's subject to be released in theaters is one called Sublet. And this is a movie about a New York Times travel writer who comes to Tel Aviv after suffering a tragedy. The energy of the city and his relationship with a younger man brings him back to life. Sublet premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival back in 2020. And the movie stars John Benjamin Hickey, Neve Nisim, Lehi Kornowski, and Miki Kam. Another movie that's about to be released in theaters is a movie called The House Next Door, Meet the Blacks 2. I'll just stop and say I saw Meet the Blacks back in 2017, I believe. It was a terrible movie. Why they made a sequel to it, I don't know. But Mike Epps comes back to to reprise his role as the patriarch, Carl Black, a best-selling author, who moves his family back to his childhood home and must team up with oddball neighbors to do battle with a pimp who may or may not be an actual vampire. That actually sounds like a more original concept than what the original Meet the Blacks was, which was a thinly-veiled parody of the... Oh, shoot. I forgot the names of the movies. Anyway, I will move on. Uh, The Unhealer is a movie about a botched faith healing which bestows supernatural shaman powers on a bullied teenager. When his lifelong tormentors pull a prank that kills someone he loves, he uses his powers for revenge and goes on a bloody rampage to settle the score. The movie stars Natasha Henstridge from Species, Lance Henriksen, Chris Browning, and Adam Beach. And finally, the other movie that's slated to be released in theaters on June 11th is The Misfits. After being recruited by a group of unconventional thieves, renowned criminal Richard Pace finds himself caught up in an elaborate gold heist that promises to have far-reaching implications on his life and the lives of countless others. This movie stars Pierce Brosnan, Jamie Chung, Tim Roth, and Hermione Corfield, amongst other actors. All these movies are slated to be released in theaters the weekend of June 11th, but of course, dates are subject to change. Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I'm your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. Now that I've given you a spoken word preview of the movies that are going to be released in theaters for the weekend of June 11th, let me give you a spoken word preview of the movies that are slated to be released on streaming on the week of June 6th through June 11th. I'm going to start with a movie that's slated to be released, actually has been released on Saturday, June 5th. That movie is... Kitty Love, A Homage to Cats. That premiered today on Netflix. I didn't have time to watch it, but maybe I will review it for you on next week's show. On Wednesday, June 9th, a film is going to be premiering as a Netflix original that is called Awake. It is a 2021 film that stars Jennifer Jason Leigh, Gina Rodriguez, 
and Adriana Greenblatt. It's a movie about a devastating global event that wipes out all electronics and eliminated people's ability to sleep. And a former soldier may have found a solution with her daughter. So Jennifer Jason Lee is mentioned first, but I think that Gina Rodriguez is the former soldier in this movie. And her daughter is played by Ariana Greenblatt. Uh, Gina Rodriguez plays Jill. Her daughter is, uh, her character's name is Matilda. This sounds like an interesting concept. I will try to see it and I will let you know what I think if I see it on next week's show. Also on Wednesday, June 9th, a movie called Tragic Jungle is going to be premiering as a Netflix original. And Tragic Jungle is, of course, a 2021 film. It's actually a 2020 film, probably delayed because of the reason that all other movies in 2020 were delayed, or most other movies were. And this is a movie that is foreign. It looks like it is done by... uh, It's actually a Mexican film. And it's directed by a Mexican director by the name of Yulene Olaizola. And the movie is about... A woman who, after escaping an arranged marriage, flees into the depths of the Mayan jungle where untamed nature merges the human and the supernatural. The actors in this movie include Indira Ruby Andre Wynn, uh, uh, Hilberto Barraza, and Mariano Tun Zul. This looks like a very interesting film, and I will let you know what I think if I see it on next week's show. On Friday, uh, June 11th, there are a few um, film premieres, including one that's called Skater Girl. This sounds like one of those post-punk movies, but this one is a Netflix original, and it is a movie about a teen in rural Indiana who discovers a life-changing passion for skateboarding. But she faces a rough road as she follows her dream to compete. The movie stars Amy Margera as the teen in rural... I said rural Indiana, I meant rural India. My apologies about that. Uh, Amy Margera, Wahid Rayman, and Anurag Arora. This looks like an interesting film. And again, I do have to admit that I oftentimes overlook some Indian films because there are so many that come out... And I can't see them all, particularly Bollywood films. But if I get to see this film, Skater Girl, I will let you know what I think on next week's show. The other film that will be premiering on Friday, June 11th, 2021, is one that is called Wish Dragon. And Wish Dragon is an animated film about a a teen by the name of Dean who is longing to reconnect with his childhood best friend when he meets a wish-granting dragon who shows him the magic of possibilities. I don't know if this film is foreign. My guess is that it is, but it is directed by and was co-written by Chris Applehans. And that name is obviously not Southeast Asian. But Chris Applehans has worked as actually an art director on several animated films, including Monster House, Coraline, Fantastic Mr. Fox, and The Princess and the Frog. These are huge animated American movies. So my guess is he couldn't find any financing in America, so he teamed up with a Chinese writer to make this a Chinese story. 
John Cho is actually the voice of one of the main characters, Long, and my guess is that he does the English dub of this movie. He might do it in Chinese, too. I don't know. Constance Wu is another voice. He voices the main character's mom. And Din is voiced by Jimmy Wong, who I'm not quite as familiar with as John Cho or Constance Wu. But this is a movie, rest assured, I will see, and I will review it for you on next week's show. Now on to some other streaming platforms while I have time. On Amazon Prime, there are actually... No movies that are going to be premiering as Prime Originals. However, there is actually a version of Pinocchio that will be premiering on Amazon Prime on Friday, June 11th. But I haven't been able to find any information about what Pinocchio this is. I do actually know that Roberto Benini, who created the critically derailed 2002 movie of Pinocchio that was released by Miramax, is actually creating or has created another Pinocchio movie. This time, however, he's not the one who plays Pinocchio. He's the one who plays Geppetto, which is the way it should have been in the first place. So I'm giving Roberto Benini, if this is the same version of Pinocchio that came upon my research, a second chance when it comes to remaking a critically derailed film from 18 and a half years ago. I do think that A, Hollywood should, or rather the movie-making industry should actually remake bad movies as opposed to good movies, and B, every filmmaker, especially one who created such a wonderful film as Life is Beautiful, like Roberto Benigni did, deserves a second chance. They really do. But I don't know what version of Pinocchio this is. All I know is that it was made in 2020, and it will be premiering on Amazon Prime on Friday, June 11th. I will seek it out, and I will let you know exactly what I think if I, in fact, see it. On Friday, June 11th on Disney+, Plus, there are actually no original films that are going to be premiering. As a matter of fact, according to my research, there's one Disney, orig- Disney Plus original film that will be premiering on Friday, June 18th, but I won't tell you what that is until next week. On HBO Max, there are also no original films. There are some original series that are going to be... Oh, actually, I stand corrected. In the Heights will be premiering in theaters and on HBO Max. And if you have HBO Max, hurry to see this one because it will only be on HBO Max for 31 days. So on... July 12th, In the Heights is going to leave HBO Max. So if you still don't feel comfortable going to the movie theaters, catch this one while you can. Other than In the Heights, there are no HBO or HBO Max originals that are going to be premiering for the week of June 6th through June 11th. And moving on, on Hulu, there on June 11th, There are actually no Hulu originals, but there is a movie that came out in, or is said to have come out in 2021, and the movie is called Come True. Even though this is a 2021 movie, the site I'm looking at is not counting it as a Hulu original, but they may be wrong. 
But the come true that I can see is a movie about a teenage runaway who takes part in a sleep study that becomes a nightmarish descent into the depths of her mind and a frightening examination of the power of dreams. The movie stars Julia Sarah Stone, Landon Liboron, I hope I pronounced that right, and Carly Reisky, and is directed by Anthony Scott Burns. Now, this is a very familiar horror movie trope, going into the minds of your dreams because yeah, trust me when I say I have some I've had some pretty freaky dreams myself. But this sounds like a very intriguing film. This is one I will try to seek out if I can and I will let you know what I think on next week's show. Well, that's all the time I have for this episode of Words on Film. I always love talking about movies, and I hope you liked what you heard. If you did, please subscribe and rate the show and leave comments if you can. I would love to get your feedback, even if it's more criticism than praise. This has been Words on Film. I'm Dan Burke, and until my next episode, I'll see you at the movies.